0: August 21st, 2022. I wanted to talk and address together with you this morning. Well, the topic's name is Halakha Minhag. Is it unifying or divisive? That's the best topic name I could come up with for what I want to address. You'll tell me afterwards if it's the appropriate title for the class. But effectively, what I'd like to talk about is the division between, call it Zfaradim and Ashkenazim, Or different Kehilot, even amongst Sfaradim, you'll have a uh, northern uh, Africa crowd, Moroccans, Tunisians perhaps, as opposed to uh, Syrians and uh, Lebanese or Egyptians. And each one of the Kehilot very often have different customs, different practices, different halachot and interpretations to halakha, the question is, is that an ideal? Or alternatively, are we striving for, should we be moving towards some sort of unified front with regards to Judaism and its practice? Now, I mentioned a few weeks ago, and that's really what jump-started this class, we've discussed this in different contexts, at different junctures, in different situations, but I mentioned a few weeks ago when Rabbi Stav was here for Shabbat, he touched on it at one point, in one of his classes, the fact that in his mind, there should no longer be, and I think it's on this Wikipedia page someone showed me afterwards, there should no longer be two chief rabbis of Israel. There should be only one. There should not be a Sephardi and an Ashkenazi. And that has been, I came to understand, over the course of some time, I know it, 60, 70, even 100 years ago, or 80 years ago conversation, it's been in recent times that sort of conversation has again revived itself with regards to, well, the majority, I think we're at it, of Judaism or Jewish people are living in Israel today. Perhaps it's the time for v'hayah, uh, the circumstance where God's name being one, we should be practicing in one unified fashion as well. And so I'd like to address that from both a practical standpoint, a uh, methodological standpoint, and then a somewhat of a philosophical uh, perspective on it as well. I'll begin, for all intents and purposes, the way that we'll... Uh, 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 run much of this class from a source from There will be many of those over the course of this class. I have a specific and particular reason. Uh, he, he'll be very instrumental in, in demonstrating uh, the direction over here and, and helping us along. So in Shelo to Havedat, Havedat Mal Siman Vav the question that was posed to of O'vadiah Yosef was about the Nosah HaTefila called Nosah Ahid. If I'm not mistaken, Rabbi Shlomo Gorin was behind this unified version of prayer books. Now he made it and he put it together for Tzaha, for the Israeli Defense Forces. The question that was posed to Hacham Vadei Yosef was some new synagogue or community in Tveria where the majority of its Jews or of its congregants are Svaradi or Edot Mizrah, the Yotze Esifon Af- Afrika. They're uh, from northern Africa. I guess it's a Moroccan or maybe Tunisian crowd of some sort. And the rabbi, alternatively, whether he's Ashkenazic or otherwise, was interested in having everyone pray one nosach, one prayer book for everyone, that nosach ahid. The prayer books which had been given out and apparently were at some point, because I don't think they are so much today, used as part of the Israel Defense Forces, should the congregation go along with the rabbi, or alternatively, their perspective, it appears from the question that was posed, is they'd like to continue based on the majority, based on what they know as the appropriate text to the Sidur. So that's a, that's a starting point for this sort of conversation. Haham Vadia Yosef comes out very clear and unequivocal in his response. He begins by citing from Hagahot Maimoni, from Talmud Yerushalmi, that the statement in Talmud Yerushalmi is, Al tishanu miminehag you shouldn't veer from, with regards to Tifilot and mo'adim, from the ways of your family and your community's approach. That's the way you should stick to it continues and he says many of the poskim cite this and he says in the uh, fourth line of the second paragraph it seems clear then they shouldn't change their nosah they should continue with their practice with the wording of the prayer book as they had it he continues and he says the, se- the second paragraph over here, which is the second paragraph, and I t- skipped a few words, but the first paragraph ends with those words, which is referring to not leaving the ways of your mother, which, for all intents and purposes, the rabbinic interpretation of that is the minhagim, the Nusha'ot of tefillah. <laughs> the next paragraph he says, you know, this nosach achid business. And here's where he shows his real anger with this. He says it's not really a nosah ahid, it's not a way of prayer which is unifying, it's a nosah Ashkenazi which is trying to be me'ahidat am Yisrael. So it's already somewhat clear with regards to his leanings and understandings of this as a takeover of Svaradim. That's what's perturbing him most. Furthermore, in the next paragraph, he be, and, and the next two paragraphs, he begins to cite from different sources in the Kabbalistic realm. In the Kabbalistic realm, it's well known from Ariza or Bith he has the statement, which Magin Abraham cites, that there are 12, I don't know how to explain these words, but 12 passageways in the heavens. Now, whatever that means, why 12 passageways? One for each one of the tribes of Am Yisrael. Meaning, there's all sorts of appropriate, many appropriate ways of speaking and approaching God. However, Continues Hacham Vadia Yosef, the Mikubalim, Arizal, and others point out that if you're a Svaradi, your passageway should not be one of those Ashkenazi passageways. And therefore, says Hacham Vadya Yosef, it seems clear to me that to bring forth a nosah Ahid to a Kehila Svaradit is particularly and specifically a problem. It's an interesting direction he brings us in. He begins us, to a certain extent, saying, follow the ways of your ancestors. And he says, but, you know, it's almost... Uh, A pluralistic vision, everything's accepted, but not really. Everything's accepted if it's the proper nosah for your people. And that's his punchline over here. Now again, what really tinges this teshubah, and we'll see it throughout his teshubot, is his vision that he's not so much disturbed and angered by the notion of there being a unified version and approach, it's that it's not the svaradi approach. That's, he will be very clear about that. He hasn't been fully clear about that yet. I'll give an example along the lines of how he becomes clear about that. First and foremost, I'll tell you from a methodological standpoint how quote-unquote he pulls this off it has to do with the class we gave earlier this summer on Lotit Godedu, and the class after that, in which Hacham Vadya Yosef quotes from She'elot of Avkat rochel. Av rochel. is the response of Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo. And his vision, Rabbi Yosef Karo, is that as people enter Eretz Yisrael, the, con- the concept is Kama Kama Batil. He takes a halacha from the halakhot of Kashrut, if you recall, and he says the same way in Kashrut, if this were a cup of kosher beverage, and every time there's a droplet of non-kosher beverage falling into it, batel, 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 but even though the majority, after enough droplets of a non-kosher beverage entered into it, Every single one of them becomes so to speak incorporated into the kosher beverage. So it's the same thing with Eris Israel, Aradi Israel, our holy land. The way it works is as, and in all communities to a certain extent, as the majority is established, even as more trickle in and continuously trickle in, even if the majority perhaps outweighs the initial majority, you follow the first established majority. Well, what's the first established majority in Erez Israel? argues Hacham Vadya Yosef the piske Halacha of Rabbi Yosef Karo. He has many sources along this line that Ar'ad de Maran is Eres Yisrael. He has a collection of sources who make this claim that after Harambam, Maran Rabbi Yosef Karo. And that's the way he will push forward his agenda on this. To the extent that, with regards to his He's very accepting of this oneness, again, if it's in the direction of Sfaradim. I mentioned it almost tongue-in-cheek in an earlier class, but there's a lot of practical circumstances where he says this explicitly. One of the more famous ones is relevant to my family. I have two sisters who are born Sfaradiot, married to Ashkenazi. Halakha is on Pesach, I'm dealing with something like a minhag. Of kotniot, of, of ores, of eating rice on pesach. Well, when they're living in their husband's household or together with their husband in their household, The halakha for them is, that this is the way we've established it, of course, generations, they take on the customs of their husband. Says hacham Vaday Yosef, if they're in Israel and they're visiting their parents' home, they can then eat the kotniot on Pesach, they can have the rice and the like. Uh, For what reason? He says, wait a second. They were in the first place supposed to be following Maran, Rebi Yosef Karo, they live in Israel. So the fact that now they're visiting their parents, now they could revert back to quote, the proper approach of this matter. He goes so far as to say, if they visit their parents' households, even if in their own household they have meat, we won't talk about the particulars, although it'll come up briefly. That's not glat. That's not halak meat. Even if in their household they follow what, what we assume says Hacham Vadya Yosef, the Ashkenazic approach, separate class about whether historically that was only Ashkenazic. Now that they're in their parents' household, they don't just get the leniencies in going back to their Sephardic parents' household. They have to accept the stringencies as well, provided they're in Eretz Yisrael. Now the vision of Hacham Vadya Yosef, and I even talked about this in a, in a more brief uh, um, uh, venue and, and, and circumstance on the yard site this year of Hacham Vadya Yosef, what he does very clearly is an extension of, in my mind, what Rabbi Yosef Karo did. After a time of ingathering, at the beginning of a blossoming of a new settlement in the land of Israel, he takes hold of that new settlement and he determines this will be the direction to bring all together. You're dealing post-expulsion from Spain with Rabbi Josef Caro, and then you're dealing post-Holocaust and uh, all sorts of banishments from the Middle Eastern countries, an in gathering in the land of Israel. In each of their circumstances, they take this as an opportunity to, Rabbi Yosef Karo may have been a little bit messianically driven, but regardless, to bring together everyone. Now, again, Hacham Faday Yosef is not the only one to be doing this. It's just that those around him have this vision of, let's bring us together. You'll sacrifice a little, I'll sacrifice a little, we'll meet in the middle. Hacham Faday Yosef says, if the proper approach is my approach, that's the way it's going. To be so, we're seeing it portrayed already and at the, the onset with this tishuba, he's got other ones in source number two. In we've discussed this on another occasion as well. Much of these sources have. Their own class hour and plus minutes addressing these issues, but here we bring them all together. So you see a larger picture. The question is with regards to Lo a man and a woman married, and the husband passes away without children. The woman, of course, the Torah tells us, falls to the brother of her husband in a mitzvah of called Yibum. If the husband doesn't want to, if the brother doesn't want to, or if she doesn't want to, as it is. To perform yibum, uh, to do that leveret marriage, they have the option of doing halitza. Now, it appears from the Torah, halitza is not ideal. However, practically speaking, what are we supposed to do? The Gemara records a machloka between the Tanaim. Back in the time of the Mishnah, there was a question about, practically speaking, how to practice. Says Shohanaruch, disagreeing with rama, yibum kodem lahalitza. supposed to have leveret marriage. That's what you're supposed to try to suggest and make certain that's what's performed in such a circumstance. Ramar, Rabbi Moshe Isilis of the Ashkenazim, of Polish descent and and citizenship, argues against that and says, Halitza is kodem because we don't have the proper intention. All right, fast forward to, I don't know, about uh, 70 or so years ago. Hacham Vadya Yosef is on the Betin and Petach Tikva. And there are issues and cases with regards to yibum says, I can't understand what's going on. All of a sudden, I'm looking at the chief rabbi's before his chief rabbi, and they've signed off, Rabbi Yitzhak Nisim, and before him, Meir they've signed off with the Ashkenazim on this, that now that we live in the land of Israel, we're going to follow a... Ahdut. we're going to have a minhag achid and what's that? that we're no longer going to be performing yibum we'll say halitzah kodem liyibum and he's dealing with the actual case and apparently as per the testimony and memory of his son Rabbi Itzhak Yosef I read this in the introduction to one of the encyclopedia Talmudit, Talmudit uh, volumes he says that's one of the major reasons that his father resigned from the Betin and Petah Tikva he was together with Rabbi Ruven Katz they had a very good amicable relationship and respect and and honor of one another and trust. However, on specific issues, this being a primary one, he couldn't see eye to eye. He couldn't understand. How can I give in to what he saw and understood as the Ashkenazic approach? In truth, if you go to the second paragraph here, as we have it in source number two, it's toward the bottom of the page, he quotes from a specific book, Sefer Sevi Yisrael Bekuntres, ma le shekatav listen to the story that's told be there was some sitting of the uh, israel chief rabbinate danu there was a question about the checking of the animals and the particular rituals with regards to slaughtering rov ahavato, ha'uma, hasarat she'ben Rabbi Uziel was the chief rabbi several to a few decades before Hacham Vadiah and the early establishment of the state of Israel, and his love and compassion of bringing the people together in the land, levatera to do away with the Sephardic specific customs and rituals with regards to the slaughtering. And to bring together, unify the approach of Shechitot in, in Jerusalem. He says, Rabbi Frank, who was the Ashkenazic chief rabbi of Jerusalem at that time period, he says, Even if, sounds like the Sephardic rabbis are willing to do away, I won't accept it. I will stand up. And I'm again, this is the Ashkenazic, Rabbi Frank Shahitas faradit Jerusalem. I'm going to put forward a Sephardic slaughtering in Jerusalem I don't know that he's going to be eating from it but his vision is that's the way it should be now Rabbi Frank and Chacham Vadya Yosef had a very close relationship Chacham was a young man, he learned in the Kolel of Rabbi Frank in Jerusalem and he used to, as the stories are told, go visit him and there would be many older people online but he would be able to zip right through the door they had a very close relationship, they saw eye to eye on many, not all halakhic matters, and he continues. He says, "Kanere shegam be'agnyan askamash el yisur hayibul mesfaratim nimshach hadon Uziel ouziel shitato me'ahavatol le'ahrut hakamat hauma ugdola avash mekale tashuray." Says love sometimes leads us askew and takes us off the proper and straight path. So there's another circumstance where, again. He's not per se, although he sounds like he is, and not per se opposed to this unifying nature, it's just that if it's gonna be done in our direction, in what he believes is the proper direction. Lastly, with regards to these examples, and again, I, I'm just trying to portray over here, and I think we could, I think, we could at this juncture really accept this and say, listen, he's trying to get this together. Everybody's trying to so say, either we're doing it with sacrifice and compromise, or we're saying, I got the way, and The vision is a nice vision. Don't we want everyone to be doing the same thing? That's in the onset of this class, the picture that we're painting. The picture we're painting is everybody seems to have the same vision and we're all, hopefully, at this juncture, excited about that. Isn't that nice? Uh, Isn't that nice, Gabby? Doesn't it work? Fantastic, we got everyone doing the same thing? That's about, there you go. He was asked about Um, uh, in in this circumstance about the slaughtering, and in this circumstance, he gets angry at, in the third paragraph, at Rav Kook. Rav Kook, who was an earlier rabbi in in, in Israel, the, the first Ashkenazic chief rabbi after the establishment of the state of Israel, he has in his letters a letter in which he says that the Ashkenazim living in Jerusalem should not be eating from the slaughter of the Svaradim, that he takes offense to, he can't understand that. He says, "Shekatav sheishli zaher." And zahir has the in, the, in, the, in the, third, the third paragraph over here. Lo adia lebal yiknu ashkenazim beres Israel basar mishpitat asfaradim mipnei halukayarot. And she ends the דבר חדש. She keshem she bekam ma mekomot vechutzar asfaradim shiruyim mi mashkenazim mikile mipudakim and so on and so forth. Says Hakham Vadya says, "Wait a second In the last line, Knere she ne'ila me'ino ha bedolah teshubat maran avkat rochel. It appears as if Rav Cook forgot. What Rabbi Yosef Karo wrote in his Tishubot. What was that Tishubot? Remember that one? That one's the one about the droplets entering in. If the majority of the land of Israel, 500 years ago or so, established and accepted the Piskeh Maran Bi Yosef Karo Shohanaruch, it means forevermore after. I guess unless you have a desolate time and then a restart of some sort, that's the way it's got to be. He can't accept Hacham Ovadia and Ashkenazic dissenting view. The question was posed, I think, by me or by another earlier in the summer, and I said it's a longer conversation, about whether Hacham Vadia, to the extent that he believes and is passionate about this approach, would want a unified front and everyone practicing as Sfaradim and to the best of my understanding, although he sometimes spins it a little differently and says it differently, it seems clear from many circumstances that's his vision. His well, vision is this is the way it could and should work. Yes, Charles. Wouldn't we say again, maybe I'm wrong, but the, when it comes to having me the Sephardic, hold more Hamoud, and you would just say it's, it's okay, but I should get to eat it anyway. I got you. So if it was only about glot, so if it was say, only about glot, I would. Have That's it. There are other customs and ways of checking as well. Each community and whatever with their particulars. That's what it's a reference to. So it's biddikaterei and it's all sorts of other matters. But yes, with regards to glat and halak, it would be no question along those. Yes. This Shohana, I write it in the context of migration but only in the context of Tashur. Migration. No, 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 no. We did up that I guess you we weren't at that because no, no no in migration. Has Beosef Karo is very clever with that. He transforms it into a halakha with regards to Lotitko do of not making a gudot a goodot. That's how he envisions it. It's a hidosh and not everybody agrees. We mentioned Panimi and others disagreed with him but that's the Chacham Vadya again fundamentally primarily at this point I'm hoping many people are just very excited they say listen maybe it's a little too ethnocentric maybe you'd say that but in terms of the vision oh, don't we want everything unified um, uh, that's that's direct now how would you affect that everybody's got their own customs now this is the ABCs of Hakam Vadya methodology and most recently I discovered source number five is a new discovery for me but I'll, I'll give you examples along the lines of what we've had in the past is Yosef's vision is that if you're a strong personality and you know how to do this right and you're well versed in the Talmudic and rabbinic literature, you should be going out and changing practices. That's what you should and can, and that's what your purpose to be doing. He tells a story in source number five, quoting from Bihaim Palachi. Personality, about 200, 250 years ago, we've mentioned them more than one occasion, who tells uh, uh, from the year Tafkov Kof Samech Aleph. Taf yeah, is about 210 years ago, or so 220 years ago. It tells a story about Mahari Mayo. Now, the specifics and particulars of the case are uh, they. he wanted to change this Mahari Mayo. Uh, he wanted to change the time in the prayers when Hakafot and Hosh'anot on Simchat Torah and on, uh, and, and on Sukkot are done. Now is it a question, of you do it after Halel or you do it after Musaf? Sounds to me and you like, I don't know, whichever one's more convenient. No, there's sourcing and there's a conversation about it. And he wanted to shift that. The story that's told by the Hayin Palachi is this rabbi gets up in his synagogue and makes an announcement, gentlemen, I believe this is the new approach, the right approach. So everybody in the synagogue says in the following words, um They they listen to the rabbi speak and they say, yeah yeah. I he, he does it. And they all kolay 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 chidim kulam pe ehad anu. The fourth line over here. And they say, everybody's very happy to accept the change. Zulat, except for Hagivir Hacham Moroddi, the uncle of Bichaim Palachi, Rabbi Akover, Rabbi Amad Knegetharav. Stands up to the rabbi. There's some givir, some dignified individual. He wouldn't allow for the practice, which was a generational practice, to be changed. This is what he said. The custom, the practice of our forefathers for generations. I cannot accept they did it without a good reason. I'm injecting, Rabbi, I don't have the way to refute your sources or your rationale, but I do know the, the fact we've been doing this. We must have been done this right, doing this okay over the course of. Are we really saying that my grandfather, your father and so forth, have been doing it wrong?" says Chaim Palachi, and as a result, the whole campaign falls through. The rabbi Maharim Mayo lets it fall and doesn't change it. Vadya Yosef in brackets. In this book, in Chazon Avadyan Sukkot, on page three here for us, says, by the way, uh, Mahari Mayo was wrong. He should have been stronger. Why didn't he have been stronger? He says, one guy stood up to him, It's his responsibility to change the practice. He goes through and he tells many different stories and sources with regards to different rabbis over the course of generations who changed prayer practices, who changed different minhagim and different rituals and so forth. He says, that's the responsibility. If you see that it should be changed, that's what you want to and our purpose to go out and do He says, why wasn't he changing over there? He said he was a very pious and modest person. He didn't want to get into a quarrel and a fight, but he should have and could have, had he done it right. What's more, he writes, is everybody said, na'ase. He had support of the people. He had the majority of support. He could have changed it. Yes, Ezra? I mean, no one other, who says, whoever wants to make a change is underhanded, no matter how much majority you have. So, the, the, the argument really is not halakhic. It is more social, political. If you uphold one in head, then the Kal-Kamurah put another so can we put limits? Can we control it? Or is okay, the way he's framing it is within a halachic context. It's certainly the way he's framing it. I understand your perspective. I, I I'm going to let I'm going to allow for his framing right now, a, a, which certainly has a sociological interplay with it, but I do think he's making a claim about the way these things should be changed if you see it as having been wrong. Mm-hmm. Remove the speech after we can set right? Yeah. Which big. What's the what problem with it? Of how the get this? Yeah, yeah. Say, yeah, be supreme, yeah, yeah. And All understood. Sim, all right, uh, so we, we should be writing the stories of what took place if something took place at the time. Same idea. Now, Hacham himself, I, I know what you claimed, he's usually said, not always. For example, the following not so surprising case, he tells about himself in his book, Halichot Olam, in source number nine. It, it, well, if you follow the sources through, 6, 7, and 8 tell the following. There's a question, it sounds like a... Ve- it is. It's a very minutiae-based question, very small detail. The question is, when we get up to Bekat Kohanim in the Tefillah, should the Hazan be... Preempting and you know, the hazan reads off the pesukim to the kohanim, so the kohanim say Ya'ir er, and he says Ya'ir er, and then they say Ya'ir, er, Hashem and so on and so forth. The first word Yivarecham. We've seen this. We've been in different synagogues. The Syrians, uh, they begin, they finish the Berachan, go straight into the word Yivarecham. The kohanim without the hazan saying to them Yivarecham. Where does that come from? The earliest sourcing for the best of my knowledge, is Bam. We did a full class on this. Ironically, a full class on this issue as well. Now, the question is, oh, what's the proper way to do it? In source number six, Aruch writes, Like the Syrians do it. Says the Ramah, but, you know, there are some in our circles, they don't do it that way. The Hazan first says Yivarecha to them, and they continue. We're not getting into rationale. It's not our issue right now. What's the difference? There's a difference. Now, the question is, what's the proper practice? The main question is really, how important, I mean, is it mystically some kind of, uh, oh, sure. if you do it wrong, you know, Oh, sure. That's what underlies yeah. a lot of this. Wow. Now, that's what, will underlie really a lot I of, tell, well, okay. again, Harambam, who's not dealing with the mystic, mystical side of this, does have them beginning Yivar on their own, for one reason or another. Oh, okay. uh, m- might be mysterious why he says that, we've worked on that. But ultimately speaking, and because for me, and it's a point I've made a lot of times, every small change, not that I'm opposed to it, I'm, that'll be very clear, and has been clear, every small change adds up. Oh, I, I know it's, and I'm, it's not a slippery slide, because I'm not nervous about this, I'm just making a point that there's a conversation about every small detail, makes sense, because there are so many details, and as a result of all those details over the course of several hundred years, okay, well, you're looking at all, saying, is it all... Details based on, you know, social, whether uh, it's it some kind of a connection up there, it switches off, it's not working it's at all. It's all framed it constantly. <laughs> it's all framed within a textual, you know, methodology. Each of these issues. You're right. What underlies it, generally speaking, not always, is some sort of sociological shift or dynamic, uh, or but, but, but or interpretation. Expression. Now, that being the case, here was, here was the case with the history with regards to this. In Shailot Tushbot Rav Pe'alim, in source number seven, Benish Yishhai Rabi Yosef in Baghdad notices that what they were doing in Baghdad was like Shohan Aruch, like the Syrians do. He wrote to Rabi Eliyahu Mani, who was a rabbi in Israel, and found out that many of the synagogues and congregations in Israel, going back 120, 130 years ago, were doing it otherwise, based on a Kabbalistic tradition that the Hazan reads to them, (laughs) Yevarechikha. And so Ben Yishai changes the practice in Baghdad. (laughs) Chacham Vadya Yosef in source number eight says anyone who's a wise person is yabi'a Mechilek Yod, and is a leader of the people as he should be, could and his purpose to change the practice if he sees it appropriate, he says it on this matter. He tells a story autobiographically in source number nine, is Halichot Aleph, that when he was in Egypt in the year Tav shin Yod, he noticed the congregation was doing it like Shulchan Aruch, like the Syrians do it, beginning with Yavar Chicha. He said, I knew, these are my words, but he basically says this, that I couldn't convince them if I just yelled at them and told them to stop it. He said he waited for Parashat Naso, naso Parashat nasos were berkat kohanim, is mentioned. His derasha that week was about Rabbeinu Bechaye's comments to the parasha in which, if you follow the logic through, the Hazan should be reading Yevarechecha to the kohanim. He says what took place at that time was the people you know, on page 4 hinnebibo il sharet va excuse me no no i'm sorry in egypt he let it be when he comes to israel in tel aviv in the year tafshin kaf he does what i just mentioned to you he says siyum derashati three four lines from the bottom asher hutva be'eineha kohanim va kohanim listen very carefully pa'shat naso the rabbis talking about berakat kohanim shem ta hilal itparech bikshu she'personam shemakra shali yikri la lahem kam tevat yomar echad ekhem and spontaneously turned to the rabbi and said, we were inspired by your derasha. we'd like to change the way we were doing it. Chacham Vadya Yosef is describing to you the appropriate, in his mind certainly, a manipulative approach to changing the people's practice. Now he, I I only bring these sources up as part of our package with regards to Chacham Vadya Yosef's vision for how halacha works. It works as follows. The posik is supposed to determine What's right? If the congregation is not doing so, need to be clear, need to be appropriate, need to be uh, tactful, manipulative, not with the negative side in my work, in my vision, in order to change. And that's what you should be doing. That's what he set out to do in Israel. To the extent that I'll pause for just a moment and tell you, just a week ago, <coughs> a week and a half ago, someone had a conversation with me and said, the posik of the Syrian community is hacham <laughs> Yosef. I said, that's news to me, I was unaware of that. Who said? He said, well, did you notice anytime anybody has a question, they go and they grab Yalkut Yosef. That's a fascinating description and understanding the way things work. I said, it's not the way I determine halacha. I said, all right, you're a minority. As they said, find one other. He said, forget about a lay person. One other rabbi. That If you ask them a question, judge them just to open up to Yaquod. It's an amazing thing. And that means he hasn't only conquered in his Ahdut of Eris Yisrael. He's conquered it everywhere. I'm not, I'm not faulting anyone. I'm telling you, that was his vision. It was his mission. It's what he was very successful at doing. I'd like to, for a few moments, give a few more developments with regards to this and then scale it back a bit and ask whether in the ideal sense, this is the way we want it to be, or this is the way it's purposed to be, or at the very least, if this is the healthiest, greatest growth-generating approach to halakha for us. It's not to say that it's not successful and doesn't bring success, but as if there's another vision with regards to it. Now, Haham Vadya Yosef didn't only do it and wasn't only purposed in his life to do this in the Ashkenazic uh, community, he did it within the Sephardi community as well, Two examples. One is Sources 10, 11, and 12. 10, 11, 12 deal with the following issue. Comes to Halel. When we say Halel on, on Sukkot, when we say Halel on the first days of Pesach. When we say Halel on Shavuot, when we say Halel on Hanukkah, we do a full Halel. It's called Halel Shalem. We have the additional paragraphs of Lolanu and ahafti, and we make a Berachat at the beginning and at the end. What about Rosh Chodesh, when you do what's called Hatsi Halel? The Gemara describes it in Masechet Ta'anit as a minhag. To say Halel on those days It's not halacha in their vision, whether well, it's halacha min ha-Torah, it's a debate, but it's a minhag. Should you be making a blessing on those days? Enter into any Ashkenazic synagogue, they make a blessing, make a berachav, of halel on halel, even on Rosh Chodesh. Enter into our synagogues, Syrian synagogues, they won't make a berachah. The dividing issue over here is a halachic, interesting debate, Full class on this as well, which we've done, and that is whether you make a Beracha on what's qualified as Minhag. It has to be defined exactly what Minhag means, as we discussed in that context. Now, in Morocco, the Minhag was that they made Beracha on Halel, <laughs> on <laughs> Hatsi Halel. <laughs> Hatsi Halel with Beracha. have never seen it, never prayed in the, uh, Maybe Chabad does this, far. Yeah, I, don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone's had exposure to this. Now, the Moroccans. Now, Shohan Aruch is very clear in source number 10 in Siman Tafkaf Bet, Sa'if Bet, that according to his opinion, no beracha Rama writes, Ashkenazi, make a beracha Moroccans did, quote-unquote, the Ashkenazic approach. All right, Moroccans moved to Israel. I mean, there's still Moroccans in Morocco, but many moved to Israel. And they many of them continued their practice. In the nineteen eighties, the early nineteen eighties, they actually had a very significant rabbi who was Haham uh, Vadya Yosef very much respected. His name was Rabbi Shalom Masas, he was the chief rabbi of Jerusalem for many years. And his opinion was we continue our practice. Haham Vadya Yosef wrote against this and many other practices here in source number eleven. In Shailodushbot Yabiama Helikhet or Ahaimsi Manve Nunvav Horeti Mikvarlan Che Paras to Persians, Umoroko, Sha'alu eris Israel, Sheloy Varkwa Kriyata and he goes on to explain exactly why. He says, listen, in their hometowns, no problem. They should have their practice. They're in Israel today. They're now part of the larger beverage. They're now under the jurisdiction, the dominion, the monarchy, the kingdom of Rabbi Yosef Karo. They have to change. He writes at the end of that, he says, and not like... Those guys are saying he's referring to his contemporary, his his elder actually, his senior, Rabbi Yosef Masas. He writes, uh, he says, This is all to discredit from he who disagrees with me. He's referring to Rabbi Masas. In Source 12, Rabbi Yitzhak Yosef, I found this in some uh, obscure publication, because publication called Torah, they they published them all together. I bought it at some point. He writes, tells the volunteer, What's that? That's 1978. So what happened was, and this is this is well known, he invited and he brought out of Morocco Rabbi Massas. Rabbi masaf sh- shows up in Israel. Uh, there's a story that's told, it was on, my father showed it to me at one point, it was published online, that... Rabbi Masas was was hosted by Chacham Vadya on one of his first Shabbats and he turned to his wife and he asked her to do the cooking and the heating up differently than usual and she said, what do you mean? We always do it this way? He we have a very dignified guest. It's an amazing story because Chacham Vadya himself, he was brazen. He would stand up, we know throughout, he said do it the way it's the right way. When it came to Rabbi Masas, he had a certain uh, respect. He had, in my opinion, he had no idea what was coming. He was then going to have to be fighting because now the Moroccans had their rabbi, who's going to tell them against many, if not all, of these Eretz Israel new practice approaches. Anyway, he's appointed by Chacham Vadya Yosef, and Bikesh Me'ashaleh Sibur Bet Kneset Vahametivta. I assume Bet Kneset Vahametivta is Bet Knesset the Metivta, which is right next to the Inbal Hotel for a period of time lived across the street on Rekhov Jabotinsky. I assume that's what that means. He told the Hazan, you should be making hallel." I really think that means that right after the prayer he went across the street and he tattled. He said, you know, your new rabbi is telling us he's telling us to go against Maran against Shulchanal. He continues and he says, you want to know why the Moroccans do this? They were influenced by Ashkenazim because the French came and convinced them. Otherwise, whatever Hamad Yosef is, strong, he sticks to his guns on this. It's not only Ashkenazim, he thinks, need to change their practice in the land of Israel. Moroccans as well, Sephardim through and through, need to adapt a new approach, a new mode away from, quote, their father and mother's practices. Although our bastion, uh, our, our banner rather, is the Altitosh Torati Mecha, that's Altitosh Torati Mecha. When you're in Admatimecha, when you're in Eretz Yisrael, Aradim Aran, now we have no room for multiplicity, no individuality with regards to congregations. Everybody should be doing the same thing. Lastly, and then we bring it. To the, to the other vantage point. Lastly, just a few weeks ago, I was speaking to a few young men who are studying Yehaveda. So they asked me to present on specific, they're learning it together, which is presented here in source number 14. This was an opportunity for me, I felt an opportunity to set forth different vantage points and perspectives with regards to halakha. Now the question that's raised, and it's, it's a very, we did as on this one as well, maybe an hour and a half class, is when a woman on Erev Shabbat, on Friday, should make the birachan Hadlakat Nerot Shabbat. Should it be before she lights them or after she lights them? Now why would you say each? Well, before them, that's what we generally do. We make a berakhah on a mitzvah prior to performance. The berakhah is before performance. Harambam explicitly says, the berakhah of hadlaka is before him. There is an opinion, it's cited in Maharil, who was a a little bit of a later Ashkenazic uh, um, Rishon, and he writes that the halacha is, or he says that the practice of the women in the country is, that they'll first light, then cover their eyes, and then make the beracha. And the reason being, their fear, following perhaps the opinion of bahag, is that the lighting is the acceptance, that the beracha is the acceptance of Shabbat. So if they make the beracha before and they've accepted Shabbat, then you're lighting, that's a problem. Then you're extinguishing, that's a problem as well. That translates effectively, seems, into a machlok between Shuhanaruch and rama here in source number 13 in Siman Resh Sa'if He. All right, so Svaradi women, it appears, are to make a beracha first and then light. Ashkenazi women, light, close their eyes, then make a beracha, see the candles, and that's, so to speak, their virtual lighting. What was practiced over the course of time? We actually talked about this three, four summers ago. I have a story about it for another occasion. And so, what was practice over the course of time not so simple what was practice over the course of time, both in Middle Eastern countries and in Ashkenazi countries. What Hamvat <laughs> Yosef suggests in this Tishuba is that the practice amongst Faradim, amongst Edot Mizrach, was always to make the bracha before far from simple. You have to read the Tishuba critically and pay attention to which sources he's leaving, he's putting in, which ones he's leaving out. It's not a simple issue at all. In the Syrian uh, sources that we have, Rabbi Avraham Hamweh, Bishlamotol and others, not simple either. One of them seems to say there were two practices in Halab, gone back 200 plus years ago. The other one seems to say that all the women, or the majority of them, made the Beracha after lighting. Ashkenazi style, if you will. Uh, it's an interesting question about what women today in the community do. I know my mother does. I don't know what all women do. I know that in giving this class, it was to a few young men who were newly married in the last few years, and they were shocked. Their wives or their mothers do it, quote unquote, the Ashkenazic way. It says, Yosef, in this Teshubah, I know the Ashkenazim got a little bit a hold of our people. Take that out. Make certain that every woman makes the Beracha beforehand it's, Safik is his claim. Now, that needs to be read critically as well, but that's his claim. And the question is, was this a new, this is a novel practice that Ashkenazim got a hold of the Svaradi women? Or as I just mentioned, this was going back quite some time. And the answer seems clear to me, is the latter. This is a min-ha- So what are we supposed to do in such a... Chameleon Yosef sticks to his guns. Change it. It's what's your responsibility? He finishes the Teshuvah and he says, mitzvah number 14, atavar, hey, Go and publicize it and tell the women... What I pointed out in that context and in different contexts as well, this is a very important talacha for someone like Chacham. If you're looking for a cultural change, You look no further than the living room on Friday afternoon where the matriarch or the home is performing for the family, the ritual. If you've changed that to being the proper approach, you've really changed a lot. That's something that's ingrained from mother to daughter to daughter to daughter and so on and so forth. You've really affected a lot and he set out really to change this. The stories abound with regards to his efforts in changing this. His contemporary, his hevruta for many years, his neighbor for other years, Rabbi Benzion ben Abbasha'u in source number 15 in Shalot Or writes something which ostensibly is curious. Alternatively, it's refreshing. He says, here's how it works in his opinion. He says, if a woman comes and asks you as the rabbi, as the posek, what to do, and she has no family practice, let's say she's a ba'alat teshubah, maybe she's a convert, so in such a circumstance, you say to her, shulchan, tell her to make the berakhah beforehand. If alternatively she has a practice from her mother's household to do it afterwards, I know, to do it afterwards, you tell her to continue saying the berakhah afterwards. <laughs> says in source number 16, you want to know why my friend said that? The reason my friend said Said that is because his wife and his mother were making the baracha afterwards. He's just rationalizing his own family's approach to this matter. In source number seventeen, he says, "What sort of business is this? We'd let some do it that way and other ones do it that." Hamvadai Yosef is exactly predictable on this throughout. That's right. There's no such thing as some do it like that and others do it like that. It can't be. A, and he has a great again. If 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 I've been uh, a little. Um, uh, transparent in terms of you know my smile throughout but if I've been somewhat convincing to the approach uh, we understand him fully. This is an ad absurdum claim, you want to have different practices? What are you talking about? Haveruch says this way, you're not strong enough, it's because of your wife? I mean that's what he pokes fun at him. He says, What's the issue over here? That brings us then to our last leg of the class and the last leg of the class goes as follows. The question is whether halacha was ever purposed to be this uniform system, and B, if not, well, isn't that a little bit depressing? Yes, honey. was a great example the morning of of people doing seven Indeed, and rabbi changing, indeed, indeed. Jaime says that on Shabbat in the morning, whether to put tefillin on in minyan or before minyan or not at all, are all different practices, customs, and traditions within the same congregation, the same community, and so forth and potentially room for ultimate change. You see, the reason that sort of circumstance, in my mind, the same thing with many of the women issues. Women issues, the rabbis, the men, were not involved what the women were doing, what the women were doing. who knows what it was. That's so a one time a year, and we're sitting on the floor. I think there was less focus on a, a certain uniformity, again, is that depressing when you walk into the synagogue and few people, there's something to be said? I, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm asking a questions. When you enter into the synagogue, I, I for one, this is a separate conversation, I for one love when the synagogue all use, this is, this is, one, this is just a, for, for a decorum of the synagogue, and when they use the same prayer book, when they perhaps use the same chumash. I think there's something very beautiful they use the same talit. Something very beautiful about that. The question is with regard to the words that they're saying. Should they all be saying the same words uh, with regards to the tefillin on or off or whatever? Or stand, should that all be? There's something beautiful when everyone's doing the same. Is there alternatives? That's right, Shabbat, maybe we want it to be depressing. Uh, unless I'm going to t- tell you that it's enlightening over here. Anyway, that, that, so that, that, those are the sorts of questions I want to address. And, I, and I'll start it already by just pointing out to you very briefly. We have these things called Mishnayot. And then we have something called Gemara. And then we have Rishonim there was never uniformity. There was never uniformity to the best of them. I know Ezra will yell at me and tell me, Harambam says that's because of galut and exile. Hard even to argue that. And he's gonna say to me, the Mishnayot say that until the Zugot, there was no Mahloket. There is such a claim, but still hard to make the argument. Still hard to make the argument that interpreting the Torah, even with a strong a, a strong tradition, to argue in the rabbinic terminology, the, the way the rabbis even say it when they articulate it. They say that, and again, to be taken with a proper understanding, which I won't give, at least mine, right now, that Moshe had revealed to him at Sinai everything that any student in the, in the, in, 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 in the future, down the line, thousands of years away, is going to suggest. One second. Any student's going to suggest? Was said to Moshe, what is students going to suggest? If Moshe had the proper perspective, so, so and the proper approach, and there was never, if we did this right, going to be different multiplicity of thoughts and perspectives, so even the student, so, so to speak, a, a prophecy of, of all the tragedy that's to come along the way, or alternatively, it's a reality which was purposed to be part of this system, called Torah, called Halacha, in order to continue its vibrancy and constant growth Taking into account sociological, communal, and interpretive uh, expressions over the course of time. To the extent that, in the book source number 18, uh, by Rabbi Shlomo Tol- Toledano, there's a four, to the best of my knowledge, it's up to four, unless it's further and I'm just behind them collecting them. the books, small kuntresim, small uh, uh, collected works. Uh, um, pamphlets, a hardcover, called Divresh Shalom Ve'emet. And the first uh, volume, not Divresha, his name, Toledano, I uh, once went on, twice, went to Morocco, and in Tangiers, uh, for whatever reason, that's what the tour guide did, brought us into the cemetery I had to get the uh, Kohanim kids out, a whole uh, balagan, but we walked in, I remember the first time, second time I said it's off our itinerary, the first time we walked in, I don't know what I was supposed to do? I'm in a Moroccan cemetery, I, so I turned to the tour guide, I said, why are we here? I said, Rabbi, why don't you tell us about the rabbis? So, which, I don't know, I don't, so, I started looking at the tombstone of Toledano, this and Toledai. So, I knew one or two. To, I so everyone was Toledano. Toledano is a strong Moroccan last name. And was, I, don't, I really, you know, okay. So, they said, so then the tour guide started giving out. It's a longer story, Tihilim, and also a uh, separate conversation. Ultimately speaking, I can tell you Toledano is a very strong Moroccan last name uh, in terms of rabbinic family. There's, there's stories to be said about other Toledanos. But this Toledano is alive today. He wrote a book to uphold the Moroccan customs, and to make clear the Moroccan customs, and he writes at the onset of his book, he's very transparent, he says, listen, listen to this, my witness is in the heavens, God knows. I don't have the ability, I don't have any passion to contend with I'm not gonna beat Chacham Vadya in his texts, I'm just not. He's more proficient, he's more persuasive, He's smarter. He's more diligent than me," says Rabbi Toledano. That's clear. I can't trample into the sanctified inner chambers of Hakham. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not setting out the battle. He says this issue is not on me. I instead am appealing to the forefathers, the ancestors who over the course of thousands of years or a thousand years in, in Northern Africa, had different approaches. He goes further and he says, listen, that which Middle Eastern Jewry is practicing, (parentheses Hacham Vadya Yosef's approach, is all right but not less so than the practices of Northern African Jewry. Wait a second, they're both, right? He writes those words, the enigmatic, mysterious words. They're both the words of the living Lord, which he's stating and making clear to us is halakha was purposed to have different approaches. There are somewhat ambiguous statements and approaches that leave us to interpret and to follow in directions that were set forth in the past and to develop them further. That's the claim, it's, it's a claim which is no longer depressing, it's a claim which opens a vantage point to a tradition which links me to the past, which means if done in an amicable and respectful fashion, I can be sitting side by side, you practicing one way and you in another, and I say, listen, we're both trying to figure this out, and we're both tapping into a truth, and we're both experiencing a truth through this. Ralph Cook, no further than Ralph Cook, who remember... Was the one Chacham Vadya Yosef was so angered by? The one who said that the Ashkenazim should not give in to the Sfaradi Shehita Al Tippol Beru Haha Habibi. In the the a letter. Don't fall into depression about the fact that we have different groups with different approaches. Now that we're in Israel with the Messianic vision, perhaps we should all come together. Everybody should continue. He says, maybe you're going to ask me, and you're asking me, how's it possible that that we're going to have a national rebirth and growth and redemption with different approaches? I have two answers. Number one, as long as we respect one another. We can have a collective with individuality. I respect your approach and you respect my approach. That's not ruining peace. Number two, he gets poetic, and we'll discuss where he got this from in a second, there's almost a harmonious way to different, colors amongst our people. What he's suggesting is you doing it your way, me doing it my way, and she doing it her way coming together portrays for us a certain symphony and harmony which would not be as beautiful had we all done the same, had the same voice and the same color. That's his statement. It's a clear vision of a vibrancy and colorful individual approach to rabbinic normative Jewish practice that's his vision on it in the book <laughs> Professor Sperber said, quotes from uh, Professor Halamish who says it's interesting Rav Cook, without knowing or maybe knowingly uh, took this description from Aruch HaShulchan. Aruch HaShulchan uh, his senior Rabbi of Nevartic in his introduction to Hosh and Mishpat has a similar description with regards to different practices coming together to make a beautiful sound. Arucha HaShulchan as a matter of fact says that the Torah describes at least in the eyes of the rabbis itself as a shir, what does it mean that the Torah is a song? It's a song which means everybody has their role, different pitches, different octaves, and different different appro- different ways of singing this. That all come together. That's just parenthetically. Rabbi Berman told me on Shabbat. He said that someone came up to Rabbi Berman on Shabbat and showed him Rabbi Lam's derashot, and there was a few un- uh, cross-outs in it. And so I said, "Why is this?" So Rabbi I was standing right next to him. I didn't write it. You know, it's just. Rabbi Lamb, I don't know. He said, but I can tell you this much. He said, he was a mentor of sorts for me, said Rabbi Lam, And he said, and, and he taught me that when you speak publicly, it's not only about the content of your words, it's about the melody and the flow of your words. And so he said those cross outs might not be content issues. It may have been that he wanted the method, he wanted the beat of his speech to ring differently. What? Phraseology which in turn changes how everything's being done. Anyway, so I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, that's parenthetic, but I mentioned in the context of this, that's the way Torah we want to be. At, I'll conclude with, two beautiful, in my opinion, Teshubot by um, just recently deceased Rabbi Rabinovich. Rabbi Rabinovich, Rabbi Nahum Eliezer Rabinovich, was the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshivat Berkat Moshe, Adumim. In his Shailot Teshubot Siach Nahum in Siman Pevav and Siman Pezain, he deals with two sorts of issues along these lines. And Siman Pevav, that that's source number 21, you know, this thing, he basically, wrote, there's a new, a new settlement in Israel berov smaller settlements begin it's in ben ben Isn't that circumstance? I don't think we should have separate congregations. It's one new congregation, one new community. He continues this, in the second paragraph, perhaps the Sfaradim should follow Shachanaruch and the Ashkenazim should follow Rama. Pause for a second. That's an interesting perspective. Who would argue that? Hamadari himself would half argue that. He would say, everyone should follow Shachanaruch. He continues a very honest He continues There's no room for such an approach. The widespread notion that people have that forever, Sfaradim I've always been following Shohan Aruch and Ashkenazim have always been following Rama is just plain wrong. Follow it through with regards to practices. Faradim very often follow Ramah, Ashkenazim follow Shohan Aruch. We'll Kelim, get involved. And there's different interpretations, different suggestions. He says there's no room for suggesting this binary vision to uh, dual existence in the nation. Now, his vision is if there's a new Kihilah, that they should have one approach to it. In source number 22, what he's responding to, and this is in my mind the most beautiful one, He's responding to a boger, to a graduate uh, of, uh, of Yeshivat Berkat of his Yeshiva. And uh, this uh, boger, this graduate says, I remember that on the high holidays, and my friends who study Ma'ale Adumim told me this, on the high holidays we would switch off tifilot in the Yeshiva. Sometimes it would be a Sfaradi, and then it would be an Ashkenazi, and then a Sfaradi. He says, what a beautiful thing. I look back and I have fond memories of that. And effectively what Rabbi Rabinovitch is doing is explaining such an approach. And he says to suggest... I, I guess so. I guess the yeshiva had to machsorim. He says, he says, in such a service, he says, how can I, and the, the student is asking for some chizuk, i just read the, the second two paragraphs, the last two. <laughs> says, of course, different people should have different opportunities. By so doing, everyone will have a pleasure, everyone will have a benefit. He now tells you his ultimate vision, which is a a fascinating one. He says, by so doing, look at the youth of today, says Rabbi Rabinovich. Perfect timing, Teddy. Look at the youth of today. They will, through seeing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and different approaches, make their own, my words, their own harmony and symphony. We will reach that vision of some sort of unified approach. We might but it will be specifically through the different parts coming together in some sort of cohesive unit in expressing themselves individually. If we're to wrap up the class and to summarize it as follows, it would go like this. Ha'ham Vadia Yosef, who was the main topic and source with regards to his concept, his conceptual vision of Halacha, set forth one in which there's little room for individual expression and interpretation. It's rather Shohanaruch, Rabbi Yosef Karol. Is that always gonna be the approach? Not necessarily, but if you know this to be the right Pesach, you should be setting that forth, campaigning for it. And we saw many examples and descriptions of where he does so himself, both with regards to Ashkenazim as well as the Moroccans and so on and so forth, and the land of Israel and the woman who's married to the Ashkenazic husband but back in her parents' home in such a circumstance, only in such a circumstance. By the way, in the flip way, it doesn't work that way. If it's a Sfara, if it's an Ashkenazic woman who got married to a Sfaradi, she goes back home. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as now accepting because it's Arad de Maran. It's Eretz Israel. That's the way it's going to be determined. Now, we saw there were different voices along the way, but we couldn't understand much of them. We finally hit, in my mind, the inflection point when we saw Chambensyon HaBashol. Chambensyon Bashol with regards to, again, when to make the Berachan Hadlakat Neirot, suggested, well, if she's asking, similar to Rabbi new yeshuv, it's a new practice for her, Okay, tell her like she has an old practice, let her continue with that old practice. Says Are you crazy? Why would you do that? Different people doing different things, why so? And what we suggested with the use of Rav Cook and others and Rabbi Toledano is the vision of Halacha was purposed and should be purposed perhaps to be one in which there are, is room for different expressions, for different approaches, for different sociological developments, for different interpretations to ancient texts, for different traditions to play out in different ways over the course of time, and that won't bring that fear which many of the uh, early uh, settlers of Israel after 1948 uh, had of now we're gonna have a divided country, we're gonna have some sort of civil unrest and war amongst the religious parties. It should not bring as long as there's a respect, said Rav Kook, and additionally an expression which is uh, uh, an appropriate expression, we can have anything but strife. We can have that harmony of sorts which is specifically and only brought forth through the different, multiple, plural, you know, pluralistic vision within a context of halacha and that structure of that system, and in my opinion, again, Rabbi Rabanovich, who capped it all off. That really gives a certain perspective for, and it's a philosophical notion of being able to live within a collective in which we're supporting one another, in which we're turning to one another and accepting, praying side by side, but at the same but time allowing for an individual, expression, for an individual expression. Yeah, individual expression is not a practical expression. Right, so Gabby has made this point to me in the past that from a practical, pragmatic standpoint, it's inconceivable that we people can are, allow uh, for individuality. They, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're told and they're, they're expected to kind of conform to a certain, to a certain degree por- for practical purposes. For practical purposes and to a certain to degree. Yeah, and, you're and, and, you're that, and that means this again, but the, 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 again, so, so that'll have to be over the course of time, the question Haham Vati Yosef's vision on this is with regard to ritual and practice, there's little to no room outside of conformity, that right? Would only, that, that would only uh, take hold if there was some kind of fundamental, mystical... Uh, approach to how the prayers are accepted, quote-unquote, in heaven. Understood. If not, if heaven is a little lenient, then we don't have this issue. Understood. But again, not only do we not have this issue, the suggestion throughout is, it, it's, there's, there's a certain refreshing side too. If we could put this under one roof, if we could bring the men and women, or whatever it is, you know, to, as they're sitting in the synagogue or in their homes, saying different words perhaps, but nonetheless all, you know, libam la shamayim, has a seat at the table, not the video, right? Correct. Anyway, baruch adonai amen